Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and a good day. Welcome once again to another episode of So I'm Married a Horror Fan. We hope everyone is having a wonderful time. Mm -hmm. This is episode number 88. Yes. In bingo terms, two fat ladies. Mm -hmm. um, so, this is going to be one of those episodes. But before we get there, because we're going we're gonna to get there, um, I am one of your co-hosts, Simon. And I'm Lee. And uh, yeah, we are reco we're recording this episode about a week. See, it's really annoying because we're recording this episode about a week before it goes out. Yeah, like lo loads of horror news has dropped this week. Mm -hmm. Like we've had the announcement of a brand new Saw movie. Saw X going to give it to you. Mm -hmm. uh, we've had the official rating for the new Hellraiser movie, which is coming to Hulu. Mm -hmm. uh, we've had trailers for Wednesday. Uh, we saw a trailer for something else. I can't remember what it was. There was. Oh, they released a new trailer for Interview with a Vampire. Yes, I haven't seen it yet. I keep referring to that movie as Interview with a Vampire, but it's not. The film and the TV series are with the Vampire, right? It's called, yes. So, my bad. Hmm. Um, we had a trailer for that thing that's coming to Netflix, Do Revenge. Um, so, yeah, it's been a pretty, pretty light spicy time in the news cycle for horror this week it has indeed lots of stuff going on uh wednesday looks good it looks yeah. legit i'm kind of impressed by how looks fair not bad that looks um i know obviously i'm excited for a new saw movie because mm -hmm. i love those movies i am not <laughs> um yeah so yeah it's been it's been pretty crazy i'm looking forward to that new hellraiser movie as well um Whenever they finally want to like slap a little release date on it, give us a little cheeky release date, I'll uh, I'll be there. But on today's episode, we are looking at one of those movies that feels cruel that it has the title that it does, given the nature of how the movie was made. Yeah, um, that's fair. Today we are looking at Wes Craven's other movie from two thousand and five. We are looking at. Cursed. We are indeed. Um, I don't really know where to begin with this movie. Um, I'll let you do your thing first, yeah. and then we'll we'll get way into it. Okay, so Cursed released in two thousand five, the same year as Red Eye. Going on the Red Eye. Yes. Uh, came it... out first though, right? Because Red Eye was the August. Oh, yeah, this came out so. like May or yeah. something, didn't it? Yeah, it was written by Kevin Williamson allegedly, Big and Kev. directed by Wes Craven allegedly. allegedly. Um, Cast-wise in this film, we have Christina Ricci mm -hmm. as Ellie, mm -hmm. Jesse Eisenberg as Jimmy, uh, Maya as Jenny, it's a lot of, yeah, whatever, uh, Shannon Elizabeth as Becky, with the good hair, with the good hair, Milo Ventimiglia, Ventimiglia, I can never pronounce his name, as Bo. Um, Joshua Jackson as Jake. Big Josh. And Judy Greer as Joni. And, um, do, 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 where is she? Ah, oh, big man Derek Mears played the werewolf. There he is. Um, and then we had, I can't think of what her name is, Kristen Annapal, I think her name is, the chick who plays the guy that. Kristen Annapal, who plays Brooke. Yeah. yeah, who is the guy, the girl that Jimmy's in love with. Mm -hmm. Bo is dating. Yeah. I think. Bearding. It's never entirely clear whether they're dating or not. She's Bo's beard. Yes. Um, so... Uh, Plotline wise. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Um, a werewolf loose in Los Angeles changes the lives of three young adults who, after being mauled by the beast, learn they must kill it in order to avoid becoming werewolves themselves. I'm, I'm not entirely sure who the third young adult is. I'm not, I'm not entirely sure. Mm. It's very unclear. So this was made, by the way, on a budget of seventy-five million dollars. How much did it make? It made twenty-nine point six. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really. Who's the third young adult? Well, we'll get into that because that's a synopsis for what the movie should have been. So we will get. We will okay, get. Okay, is that. there not a, a synopsis for what the film actually is? Because that's the synopsis IMDb gives you, and you are right, that's the film it should have been. Mm -hmm. um, hang on. Do we not have an actual synopsis no. for the film that this film is? We must have, surely. 
I mean, here we go, here we go. Ellie has been taking care of her younger brother Jimmy since their parents' death. One night after picking him up from a party, they were involved in a car accident on Mulholland Drive. While trying to rescue a woman from another car, a creature attacks and kills her, also injuring both Ellie and Jimmy. After some research, Jimmy realises that the creature could only have been a werewolf. That was provided by somebody, because, yeah, the plot on, on IMDb is not the plot line I mean, of technically, it does change the lives of three young people, because it kills one of them and then turns the other two into werewolves. So, um, so technically, the, the synopsis is correct. I guess, but Becky's not really a character. She gets killed at the beginning and she gets mentioned, like, once in the film. Also, round of applause for Shannon Elizabeth with some tremendous acting. Yes. Um, I'm going to ask. So, I'm going to ask the obvious question first: Is the horror subgenre the one subgenre of film that has the most movies that have been like that? There are like alternate cuts of. Do you think? I feel like. Or like it. troubled productions. I feel like yes. Because I feel like we've covered quite a few movies that have had like either troubled troubled productions or have like alternate cuts. We covered Monster Squad, which has an alternate. There was an alternate cut of allegedly. Um, we covered uh, Ghost Ship, which is quite a famous one because mm. that had quite a troubled production, and then it had like a lot of changes made to it. That's also a Weinstein production, is it not? No, no it's not. It's Dark Castle. Dark Castle. Because like House of Wax was another one that had like changes made to mm. it, like halfway through shooting. Um, obviously, the Scream movies. The only one that wasn't fucked with that Wes Craven made was the first one. Because mm-hmm. obviously there was a lot of different stuff. I'm sensing a pattern between the Weinsteins and Wes Craven. But I'm going to get there because I have a lot to say about that. Um, so this movie came out when you were 13 years old. Mm-hmm. And I would have been... So yeah, it's just not. Much older. <laughs> Some damn litter. Some litter. Um, I didn't see this movie when it came out. At the cinema. Um, I'm going to sound really strange when I say this. There was a time in the late 90s and early noughties where Wes Craven couldn't take a piss without me knowing about it. Mm. I was like everywhere. Anything that that man was involved in. I was like that meme from Always Sunny. I had like a board. I was like, Wes Craven's doing this and this and this and this. And he's making these movies. So I followed the production of this movie when it came out. Because it was the, the, the thing that he did after the Scream trilogy. Um, but I didn't go and see it at the cinema because I'd heard all of the stuff leading up to it that, like, it had been changed, like, blah, blah, blah. Um, so I sat at home and watched on an illegal stream, um, but didn't really see it for a while until after it came out. Mm. Um, and yeah, it is everything that everyone says that it is. Mm, Sure. Um, but like, when did you first see it? I imagine not when it came out. No, I got it on DVD. That's how long it is. I must have been maybe 15. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it must have been about 15. And I watched it solely because Milo yeah. is in it. Because if we've learned anything by our pathology le- episode, I will watch anything that that man is in. Mm-hmm. Except for This Is Us, because I've still never seen it. Mm-hmm. And that one where he's in a race car with a dog. Oh, yeah. The Art of Driving in the Rain. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, so I... I yeah, I must be about 15, maybe. Mm-hmm. And uh, as a 15-year-old, this was the first Wes Craven film I ever saw. Nice. And I didn't hate it. Mm-hmm. But I was also 15 and thought, like, Underworld was great. So Yeah. So, <laughs> the best way to describe this movie is, you know how, like, you know how sometimes you see on the internet, you'll see, like, news stories of, like, somebody tried to get an algorithm to write a horror movie, and this is what the algorithm wrote. Yes. It seems like somebody put the words Wes Craven, Kevin Williamson, teen, and a horror into like a super werewolf computer. and horror i feel like not teen it's more of a teen horror movie than it is a werewolf movie but yeah sure probably word werewolf in there as well and like the algorithm just spat this movie out um because it feel it feels like so you know how i'm going to use another music analogy so you know how like when new metal came out like corn invented new metal and like 
corner of the biggest band in new metal and then like five years later there was like 50 bands that sounded like corn but they were all fifth generation yeah this is kind of what this is like this is like a fucking team straight to video director has tried to make like a fifth generation version of what scream was Mm mm-hmm um, and then just uh, like, hey man, instead of a ghost face, we'll just put a werewolf in this. Mm-hmm. I, it doesn't bear any of the hallmarks of Wes Craven or Kevin Williamson. No. Um, and it's quite it's it's a weird film in like both of their filmographies because the characters feel like Kevin Williamson characters, but like if Kevin Williamson wrote them while he was on Xanax and someone was holding a gun to his head. <laughs> Um, and like Wes Craven directs it like it's a fucking music video. Mm. So you know how like when you watch Scream 3, Scream 3 looks completely different to Scream 2 and Scream 1 mm-hmm. um, because he's got that, it's a bit flashier. It feels like, again, Wes Craven directed this, but his heart wasn't really in it. And I don't know if that's just because this this version of this movie is cobbled together from so many different other versions of this film mm. that it just becomes a disjointed mess but it doesn't feel like a Wes Craven movie. Um, and that's a weird thing to say because it also feels completely like the thing that he would have made after Scream 3. Um, my main issue with this movie is there's a lot of issues that I have with this movie. Um, the first issue that I have with the movie is all the gay stuff. And I'm not 100% convinced, unless Kevin Williamson sits in front of me and shows me a draft of that script that he wrote or told me to my face that he wrote that character, that scene and all of that dialogue, I would not believe it. See, I think the problem with Bo's character is that from what I've read, quite a lot of stuff with him got cut out. Yeah. So I think in original context, his character probably made a lot more sense. Yeah. Because all of the, you look at all the all of the teen movies that Kevin Williamson wrote. So I know what he did last summer, Halloween H two O that he did the rewrites mm-hmm. on the first two screen movies. There's not any gay slurs or any homophobia of any kind in any of those movies. And there's the bare minimum of it in Dawson's Creek, which he wrote and was the showrunner on. Which is why it seems so fucking odd and out of place that there's so See? much of it in this movie. There's there's not a huge amount. There's if way we, more there's than there way, should be. But also, <laughs> I have known in my life people like Bo, mm-hmm. and he is very true to that kind of person. Yeah. I don't think you could have wrote his character with the tw- the twist his character <laughs> has. I guess the arc that the character the has, if you're talking about without him using slurs. Mm-hmm. In all honesty. And in the late 90s, early 2000s, like, that was a huge thing. Like, a lot of men who were gay who wanted to hide the fact they were would bully kids who were out. I mean, Eminem was dropping F-bombs like they were common. But do you know what I mean? Like, they would bully kids that yeah. were out and call them the F-word and fairy and everything like that to kind of be like, oh, well, I can't possibly be gay. Look, I'm picking on the gay kid. Mm. Um, They do it in Glee as well, actually. With um, yeah, I know the character. Kurt's bully, the one that tries to kill himself. Yeah, 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 yeah. I can't remember his name. Um, so I don't think it feels out of place as like in the film with the character arc that Bo gets, (laughs) but I feel like it does because it feels like there's more of his character arc we don't see. Yeah, I, I just, I feel like it's one of the things where like. Having followed Kevin Williamson's career and knowing how like openly proud he is to be gay, he's always been very careful about how like as we said, like none of the movies of this type that he wrote had gay characters in them. And there is obviously like gay characters in Dawson's Creek. I can't speak for um the originals of the Vampire Diaries or any of those other shows that he was involved in because I never watched I'm them. I'm trying to think I don't think there is a gay couple in the vampire diaries and like i'm it, now trying to think i think lexi who we meet very briefly is a lesbian or it's implied mm. that she is if, if i remember correctly but she dies relatively quickly yeah i don't think 
oh, that's going to break my brain now. I don't yeah. think that there's a gay couple in... Because there's, there's like, mention of, like, gay couples and stuff and gay characters in Dawson's Creek, but they never... The writers never stoop to the low-hanging fruit of using... Like, Pacey's brother, who's played by Joshua Jackson, comes out as gay later on in the show, and, like, Jack is a gay character. And there are scenes that are horrible to watch, like, uncomfortable scenes where they're being bullied and things like that, which is obviously uncomfortable, but they never stoop to the low-hanging fruit of, like, using those words. But it's it's weird to see it in this context. Like, we're watching a movie that's, like, 17 years old, and you kind of put yourself back in that time of, like, the early 2000s when words like that were used so liberally. So you are right. Maybe Kevin Williamson wrote the character at that time to reflect someone maybe that he knew or to reflect the dialogue of teenagers at that period in time. Or it's just glaringly obvious now when you look back at it and you're like, this was such a casual thing that people did and people said Mm. back in that time. Like, you just kind of go, does it seem so out of place now because people don't talk like that anymore? People or, you know... Or we just don't associate with people that talk like that anymore. But back then it was, especially in America, because I don't really remember it being a big thing in the UK. Because over here, like in the UK, they have other like slurs and things for Mm -hmm. stuff like that. And I got used to it as weird as a segue of this is I got used to hearing the F word a lot because of the food, because of the meatballs that we have in this country, um, because that's what they're called. Like, so that, you know, it was, it was never for, for a long time when I was growing up, it was never a derogatory word for yeah. me. It was just, oh, look, there's, you know, I don't want to say the word, but like, there's, ah, look, it's in the box, it's in the shop, we can go and buy them, they're meatballs. Yeah. Also, um, on a note, because I looked it up, they're in, across the universes of the Vampire Diaries and the originals, I don't know about legacies, there are three gay characters, one in the Vampire Diaries, two in the originals, and two of those three gay characters die. Mm-hmm. Yay representation! I feel like that can't be put at the feet of um, Kevin Williamson because I don't think he got was that yeah. heavily involved in the show after it took off. And obviously, there's that weird scene in Scream Four where the guy's like, "I'm gay, I'm gay," because he doesn't want to get murdered. Yeah, but like he's never actually <laughs> um, canonically outed as a gay character. Do you know what's really interesting? Actually, talking about like obviously words that we use in England, and I'm going to use a word that is generally used as a slur. Yeah. So obviously, in the UK. Um, we will say, I'm going for a fag. Yeah. I'm off for a smoke, going for a cigarette. So, my friends recently have just got back from being in Mexico where they met a Canadian guy who was adamant that our use of that term meant that it was fully okay for you to use the term fag as a slur in the UK. And, like, they're both sat there going, no, it means cigarette. Like, that's what we, like, people will just say it because they're referring to a cigarette. And yeah, like it was a Canadian dude who was adamant it was a completely acceptable word to use in the UK as a slur because we use it. And like my friends are going, no, 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 no. Yeah. It means cigarette. Like what is wrong with you? Well, it's like all this stuff recently with like Lizzo and Beyonce using like the R and S words. Yes. For like disabilities. Because over again, over in, in the US, they use the words to like describe like acts of dancing or acts of like movement in the club and things like mm. that and it's like you know that is but also i feel like that was always kind of a what's the a, a microaggression towards people yeah with like over here the 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 term for a cigarette has never been like it was never a yeah yeah i yeah. don't know where it came from but yeah it's just I, part I don't, of the general british vernacular but um, it, it is interesting watching this movie in that vacuum of like how casually it's used. But, but the thing is, in in England, it's always been one of those odd ones that like it doesn't really get mm. used a lot as a slur over here because of some like smoking yeah. and also like the meatballs. Mm. I didn't know that's what they actually were. I'm always like, I don't know what it is, but it sounds disgusting. Yeah, they're like um. They're meatballs in some type of gravy. Yeah, they've never appealed to me. I've I had them when I was a kid, and I 
intensely disliked them and i think my mum was like i think my brain always thinks because it's normally near the stuff that's like liver and onion and that yeah, in the freezers and my brain weird, associates it with like, like liver and i'm like no i guess what well, i guess the other thing like i'm trying to say, like before we will we, we'll move on from this topic because this topic has taken up a lot of this podcast so far but it's like jordan peele so jordan peele much like kevin williamson is also always really careful how he uses derogatory terms if you notice in any of his three movies that he's made, not a single white person uses the N-word. It's only black characters that use it. Again, because he obviously knows what the power of that word in certain mouths means and how it comes across. Um, So again, like Kevin Williamson, he knows what the power of those words means in certain mouths in certain situations. The thing is, though, is I think Bo's character is kind of interesting. We're staying way more longer on, longer on Bo than I ever thought we would. Um, because, like, that was in the in the early 90s and noughties. It, in the late 90s, early noughties, wrong way around. It was, it was a thing. And, like, mm-hmm. people, like... I find it insane, but it's still a thing now. Like, you know, there'll be people who are covering being gay by being mean to other yeah. gay people. I also think they they bungle an opportunity in this movie to make it because like there's the scene where he comes out to Jimmy and Jimmy he's like hey like I'm gay like you should have known because like it takes one to know one like that's a genuine piece of dialogue and he says he says oh, I'm a werewolf and they have that conversation in the car when they're like trying to chase the werewolf dog I'm running sentence. away from the werewolf dog yeah 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 um, but like I feel like that is a moment where they could have used both things as like an they, allegory for yeah because they kind of do kind of like it's it's very like I not in there because he does say to me he says i'm cursed and he says yeah it does feel like that he's like having these feelings and feeling like you can't talk to anyone and i'm like in a more serious movie they could because like like i am interested if at any point they'd there's a version of this script where Bo is the love interest maybe because I mean, I don't really care for whatever her face is. Christina Ricci. No. Ellie. Ellie. Mm-hmm. No. The character that Jimmy ends oh, up with. Oh, Brooke. Brooke. Yeah. I don't really care with her. We meet her like three times. I really I give zero shits about her as a character. I, I grow to like Bo. I'm quite fond of Bo by the end of this film. And I think he would have made a better love interest. Mm. Personally. Brooke is a Buffy. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so... That was kind of my thoughts. Like, I wanted to get that out of the way before we got way into this podcast and I kind of just forgot to talk about it. Mm. Um, but this this movie's so fucking weird, bro. Because, like... So, Wes Craven was eight weeks away from making a remake of Pulse. Mm. He'd put his production team together, he'd written Pulse, and he was going to go and make it for the Weinstein Company, and it was going to be a remake of that... I think it's the internet, like the internet. Is it the internet movie where the, the Japanese movie where the internet's evil and you feel the pulse? Like, yeah, I re- think like, so. I don't know. A lot of innocuous objects were evil to Japanese people back in the early noughties and late nineties. The like, evil cameras, evil eyes, evil videotapes, evil children, and it's one of those types of like weird evil day- wells. Yeah, oh, fucking Jesus Christ! It was one of those movies. Um, so he was going to go and do the remake of that that he'd written. Um, and he was going to do Cursed, like, afterwards. And then... Her... I don't think he was ever going to do Cursed when he had Pulse on there. <clears throat> I think... Because he got offered to make Cursed for double yeah. his salary after Pulse got pulled. Yeah, but he... They're basically, the Weinstein shelved it, didn't they? Because they owned both films. They shelved Pulse because they wanted him to go and make Cursed. Offered him double the money. And Wes Craven said in an interview years after, he was like, it's the last time I'd do anything for money, he's like, I should have said no. Because he didn't like the version of Pulse that came out. And he's like, this movie took two and a half years of my life. He's like, in that two and a half years, I could have made two and a half movies. And he said, after Cursed came out, he he said the phone stopped ringing for a number of years. This movie basically derailed his career. And as I said on the Red Eye episode, I feel like Cursed hurt Red Eye. Because Mm. Red Eye came out so soon after... A lot of people had, like, the last thing that they had seen with Wes Craven's name on it was Cursed. And he wouldn't make a movie for another six years until he made Scream 4. And then he obviously made My Soul to Take and then passed away a couple of years later. And I feel like the Weinstein... Like, I don't like the Weinsteins for a number of different fucking reasons. 
But I feel like, and again, unless somebody tells me otherwise, and I don't want to speak for Wes because he's not here and I can't. I feel like when Scream became a massive hit, the Weinsteins looked at Kevin and Wes as their golden goose. And I don't actually think they had any respect for either of them as artists and creatives. I think they just saw the value in their name and the value in their names together. And that was basically where the buck stopped. Because they interfered in Scream 2, they interfered in Scream, inter intervened in Scream 3, they interfered in this, and they interfe interfered in Scream 4. So every movie that those two were involved in after Scream, the Weinsteins fucked with. And honestly, I don't... The only reason I can think that Wes kept going back is not for them, it's for the people. Because I know that he loved making Scream with that cast and like that that cast was his family and like he you know and like with this he was going to reunite with a lot basically this movie was going to be his avengers he was going to have skeet auric in this he was going to have like fucking omar epps who's in dracula 2000 he was going to have like a lot of people that he'd worked with before which i think the fact that he was going to get double the money he got to pick his own cast and he basically was promised that this was going to be an r-rated movie was what made him go all right you know i'll do it but yeah, because this movie originally was going to be Skeet Ulrich, mm -hmm. Christina Ricci, and Jesse Eisenberg, Jesse Eisenberg. and they were still going to be they were going to be like still a couple. Skeet Ulrich and her were going to be the couple, and Jimmy was just going to be the the random I think that they hit like the random third person that they hit. And I don't think Skeet Ulrich was ever intended to be the werewolf, um, but then obviously that all got changed. No, so eventually he was due to be the werewolf and they added in this scream like ending with the thing at the house at the end yeah. and he basically walked away he was like nope because Wes Craven loves a fucking ending in our, but I, don't, I don't think that's anything to do with Wes <laughs> no, I no, think no. that's the Weinstein brothers who were like scream was really good because you did that thing at the end to do that yeah and you can tell how markedly improved Red Eye is over this movie even though Red Eye has the same endings it's a different film studio mm -hmm. um but yeah, I mean, because you you read all the stuff that I read, didn't you? Mm -hmm. So am I right in saying initially it was going to be Mandy Moore was going to be playing Maya's, Maya's character, character. Yeah. Um, and then there was like Omar Epps was a, a character in this, Scott Foley was in this. Yeah, Scott Foley is still in it in the background in one scene. And there was like a couple of other people that were in this. Um, I can't remember off the top of my head, there was somebody else famous that was in this as well. Um, and I remember seeing at the time, like, behind-the-scenes footage of, like, Skeet Auric filming stuff with, like, Christina Ricci. And it's, some of the footage is still out there. Like, you can see some of the behind-the-scenes footage. Originally, it was... Well, some of the footage still exists. Yeah. Well, Patrick Luzier has said that he owns three different, different cuts of this of movie. Yeah. Do you know what's really funny, though? Because, like, he, he's basically said all this time, like, Scream Factory have just put out a Blu-ray of this movie... And they've said it's not got any of the uncut footage on it because companies still own the rights. As far as I know, when Weinstein, Harvey went to fucking prison for being a fucking cunt, um, Miramax folded. As far as I know, Miramax and Dimension Films don't exist anymore. And all I'm saying is, people's laptops get hacked all the time. Stuff gets leaked on the internet. I'm not saying that Patrick Luzier should like leak shit. I'm just saying... All I'm saying is Ryan Reynolds is ballsy enough to do all it. All I'm saying, Lucy, mate, we're looking at you. Ryan Reynolds did it. Fucking come on. All I'm saying is turn that firewall off for a night. See what happens. Because <laughs> he's got. He said he's got the original cut with the original cast and the Rick Baker effects. Those of you that don't know, Rick Baker is the man who did the Werewolf for American Werewolf in London. Mm -hmm. Then he's got the second version, which is when they replaced all of Rick Baker's effects with K and B effects. And then he said he's got the third version, which has got all of the practical gore. Because um, obviously this movie was originally meant to be R-rated and it got trimmed down to a PG. Um, PG-13. All I'm saying is, just leave that firewall off for a night, see what happens. Because <laughs> would, you, would you be like interested to see an alternate cut of this oh, movie? Oh yeah, I'd be really interested to see what this movie was originally supposed to be. Because do you think this movie gets judged too harshly, not because of what it is, but because we know what it, it could have been. been. Yeah. Because what, like, honestly, sit here and tell me now, in the year of our Lord, 2022, Ronnie James Dio is our Lord, by the way, um, that what your honest opinion of this movie is. 
<sighs> this movie is fucking dreadful. <laughs> but why is it? Like, what, what is it that you don't like about I it? I don't think the plot's very good. I think it's way too easy to figure out what's happening. The fucking CGI is shit. <laughs> fucking, I can't stand what's-his-face. Joshua Jackson is terrible. Um, I don't like him anyway, so that wasn't really a surprise to me. Um, Jesse Eisenberg I find irritating anyway, so he was never going to I mean, be you find him irritating in everything. I do. <laughs> He's just an irritating dude. Um, but yeah, I just, I don't think the cast that they do have, like, they have Christina Ricci, and she is not used to her full potential at all. No. Like, she could, even Judy Greer. Like, Judy Greer was not used to her potential in this movie. Because Judy Greer is generally quite a good actress. I will back her on mm-hmm. that. I like Judy Greer and a lot of stuff. And I'm like, they could have made her way more interesting. But they spend so much time focused on all of these other little plots that don't really seem to go anywhere. Instead of focusing on the fact that fucking Judy Greer is the werewolf. Mm-hmm. Also, does no one see the really o- obvious allegory that, like is kind of like really on the nose when you know about the Weinsteins, that there is a feral predator stalking Hollywood and knocking off really attractive women. Yeah. Like, Wes Craven made two of these movies in a row that were basically like, Harvey, you're a rapist, and I've just told the world. And Harvey's like, yeah, sure. No, because Scream 3 is basically the fucking story of Harvey Weinstein. Mm. Um, But yeah, I, I agree with you to a degree. I think the problem with this movie is... It's so random. Like, because it's been cobbled together with pieces of other films. Like, there's literally... there's, And I'm not even joking. Given how fucking talented Wes Craven is, like, that's not up for debate. He no. is. There are literally scenes in this movie where we will be in the middle of a werewolf attack and, like, a werewolf arm will come round the corner and it's a real... Fucking tangible, furry person in a suit, puppeteered arm, and then you'll sh- you'll cut round, and it'll be a CGI face, and I'm like, what the fuck? Like that to me is one of the most egregious things in this movie is that they use practical effects for some scenes and CGI for others, where they've clearly the seat like they've got better shots of certain scenes, so they've just cobbled the scenes together. Yeah, and like. I mean, fair play, Wes Craven, God bless the man. He he took the money and run. He really fucking did. <laughs> like, I think by the end of this shoot, he just kind of gave up a little bit. He's like, I don't really care. He's like, I got paid a fuck ton of money for this movie. He's like, I got to hang out with people that I like. And then I got to go and make Red Eye. So, like, I think, like, God bless the man. He got a lot of money for this. But, yeah, I, I agree with you. Because, like, on paper... Kevin Williamson and Wes Craven doing a werewolf movie is a slam dunk, right? Mm-hmm. That sh- it, sh- it should be the easiest thing in the world. But, like, the movie has no respect for anything. Like, or the finished version. It has no respect for werewolf lore. At all, really. Like, it kind of gives you the base, like, serial packet version of werewolf lore. And it's a bit jumbled up. Like, it's a bit like, oh, hey, man. Like, he passed this curse on to this other bird. Like, and then she's cursing everybody else and mark of the beast and you may get hair you may not get hair like it none of it really makes any sense like and it's like also there are scenes there are scenes in this movie where like the werewolf is completely a werewolf it's like a mindless beast and then it's at the end apparently it's got enough human consciousness to like flip a middle finger like what the fuck is that it's fucking with them as as well a lot in the end of this film yeah it's she's specifically fucking with them it's like it's so fucking weird man um and like it's not particularly scary like it's not particularly interesting um it is it is essentially just a slasher movie like it's a teen slasher movie but it's a werewolf instead of a dude in a suit or like Mm -hmm. freddy or whatever like, it's bloodless as fuck. There's no... Like, we watched the, I think, standard version. There is an unrated version that has a little bit more gore in it, but not really. I don't really think it would have made a tremendous amount of difference. Um, but yeah, it just seems, like, really random. Like, scenes just happen, and then, like, nothing ever really seems to come of them. Like, the dog disappearing. So, like, there's a scene where, like, fucking Jimmy is just eating raw meat. 
And then his dog takes the meat. So he pulls his dog's tail. His dog werewolfs out and runs off. And then just like randomly comes back like towards the end of the movie. And it's like, what's that werewolf dog been doing? Like, what's what's he been up to? You know, is he is he been out there playing, like? I don't really care to be honest. Yeah, but uh, it, so why set it up? Like, it's a weird subplot to set up for it to go nowhere. I think it's just to bring Brooke back at the end of the film so she can kiss Jimmy, and we don't get the sick Jimmy bow romance that we should have. Yeah, and it's like there's like, Pat, like Joshua Jackson is a prime example of why this movie sucks. Um, because he tries to do the Ski Ulrich, David Boreanaz, I'm the boyfriend who's not really a killer, but I'm kind of super suspicious and I might be the killer thing. And he's like talking in like whispered tones and he's got like dark circles. He's just sweaty and paranoid. He looks like, he looks like a kid who's in his room smoking a joint and jacking it to Pornhub and his mum's walked in he's all like... <gasps> He's just like he's just really fucking like sweaty and paranoid in this entire movie. So you mean the older boy's brother from Stranger Things, yeah? <laughs> yeah, he's What's li- his name. He's literally Jonathan, Jonathan. from Stranger Things, and he's go. like. But they 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 overplay the hand of like, he, like he's suspiciously like turning up in places and all. Also, he's like outright stalking her. If I was here, I'd have called the police. Yeah, and they make like. I've never seen it in any... I don't think I've ever seen it in any other werewolf movie. Um, where they they seem to be... The minute they become werewolves, they suddenly become, like, really attractive to the yeah, opposite I feel, sex. I feel like they mixed up vampire and werewolf lore and nobody corrected them. Yeah, because there's, like, there's that... Res- oh, the wrestling scene. Oh, the wrestling Where fucking scene. Jimmy's like, hey, man, so I got bit by a werewolf and now I know how to do a suplex and straighten my hair. <laughs> like... Fuck my life. And like when, when so there it... was supposed to be a scene in there where he threatens Bo. Yeah. And they cut. And then from what I read they were like he gets like all up in his face and like kind of wolfs a little bit at him. And I'm like, if that scene was there and it looked kind of like an almost kiss, Bo coming out to him and trying to kiss him makes way more sense. Yeah, exactly. But like Although Jimmy never seems to be more sexy. Like, they make Christina Ricci every room that she walks in. Like, everyone's fucking craning their neck like they've seen a car crash. And, like, there's that party sequence where Joshua Jackson's, like... He's just fucking sprayed links on himself. There's, like, 50 women following him around. And I'm like, werewolf blood or not, Joshua Jackson is not an attractive man. Like, especially in this. He has the words sexual predator written all over him. And there's, like, all these women that are, like trying to bone him and I'm just like he's a fuck boy I mean he is he's a 2005 premium fuck boy mm-hmm. he's got the burner phone which is a Motorola razor in oh, black flip phone mine was fluorescent pink I had a razor he's got like fucking he's got some like sick song by like Nelly or something as his ringtone solid He's getting like text messages on an XL sidekick. I love side the kick. fact that it's implied. It's not even implied. It's outright stated. Fucking Christina Ricci's character Ellie listens to fucking Three Days of Grace. What is it with women in like early two thousands movies? Like they defo listen. There is a side note. There is a Hilary Duff movie called Raise Your Voice, mm-hmm. which opens with her and her brother going to see Three Days Grace. Nice. I don't know what it was about <laughs> this time period. But apparently they were fucking everywhere. Because there's that sequence, like, talking about, like, everybody being like, hey man, suddenly they're all sexy. There's that fucking sequence in Dracula 2000 where Gerard Butler walks mm-hmm. into Virgin Megastore followed by a sexy gust of wind. Yeah. And, like, all the women are like... <laughs> it's basically like that. There's, they like... sent a Gerard Butler yeah. from 30 Paces. Yeah. They're like, Gerard Butler. And they're like, oh, Pacey, he's so sexy. And it's just like, yeah, Christina Ricci's character does nothing in this movie. She doesn't believe that there's werewolves. She's trying to, like, get away from her fuckboy boyfriend. She's just, she's just there. Like, for whatever reason. And, like, the fact that, like, when the reveal happens, and, like, there's a werewolf on top of the werewolf. It's like Werewolf Inception. They're like, he's the werewolf, but this bitch is also the werewolf. And I'm like... Andrew Garfield's (laughs) just in the corner going, I'm not the werewolf, guys. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm like, okay, this is interesting. And then she's like, yeah, so like, I did it because I had sex with him and he didn't want me anymore. And now I'm a crazy werewolf who like kills women because, you know, I don't like competition. And I'm like, 
What? I'm not being fucking funny. Like, A, Joshua Jackson is not that attractive. B, he's a total fuckboy. But C, if I had sex with Joshua Jackson, it'd never happen. But he turned me into a werewolf. And I had the option of killing off my competition so I could date the fuckboy who turned me into a werewolf. Or going off and living my best werewolf life. Because apparently you're super attractive to everybody at that point. I would be off. I'd be like, fuck you, John, fucking Jackson. Thank you for making this sexy. I'm out, bitch. I'm going to go spread my wild oats. Yeah, but this is... The, fun werewolf shit. This is the other thing. Everyone follows Christina Ricci around. No one follows fucking Judy Greer around. Except Scott Bayo, Randomly. Like, is Judy Greer not a sexy werewolf? Well, she must be. She has werewolf powers. Yeah, but why does she not get the sexy werewolf powers? I'm, I'm very confused. Yeah, I'd be off to. I'd be, I'd be off living my best werewolf life. Also, what happened to Bowling for Soup? That is a good point. Did Bowling for Soup get killed by the werewolf? Yes. Bowling for Soup, canon in the Wes Craven universe. At least it's not Creed. They got another band that isn't Creed. That is true. Uh, I think Creed had broke up by this point. Sad. And they sing Little Red Riding Hood, which is great. Yeah, there's a lot of nods to Little Red Riding Hood in this movie. Also. They try and do the weird fake out of Michael Rosenbaum. Or is yeah. it? <laughs> they try to like randomly make him evil at the end of the movie. Yeah, like we, yeah, we, we barely spent any time with Ricky and then suddenly they're all like, oh yeah, Ricky might be the werewolf. And you're like, it's probably not. Asterisk. It, plot twist, his name's Kyle. Oh. <laughs> Why do they think he's called Ricky? I don't know. Is that a Ricky? No, but he looks like a Ricky. He does look like a Ricky, yeah. right? Okay, sorry. They're all like, oh, Kyle's the werewolf. And literally the entire audience is going, no, he's not. We've not spent enough time with Kyle for him to be the werewolf. And this is obviously a fake out. Yeah. I will say, though, the nightclub that kind of like the 2.5 act, because, of course, we had to move this shit to a house. um, Act 2.5, when they fight in the movie version of a hard rock. There's already a movie version of The Hard Rock. Yeah, I'm not talking about Planet Hollywood. Like a horror movie version of The Hard Rock. Well, no, because there's music there as well, because they've got, like, the fucking Dolly statue and stuff. Yeah, but it's like people that have been in films, isn't it? That's why Madonna's there. That's why Cher's there. I fucking know. Because it's called Tinsel, and it's all full of movie memorabilia. I think it's, I think it's just a homage to Tinsel Town, isn't it? Yeah, but I like, I like that. That is a cool setting. And, like, you get... If you're, if you're, if you're an Easter egg hunter, that's your moment. Because there's, like... Nods to like some of Wes's work. There's a ghost face mask. There's like a mannequin wearing a Freddy outfit. There's a pinhead. There's pin a head. leather daddy. There's a fucking Elvira's there. Whoopi the Goldberg gets decapitated. She does. It's true. Um, yeah, there's all kinds of fucking nonsense going on. But I think that's a cool like. Scene is there. Yeah, because uh, Jimmy gets her sword, and he tries to fight sword. a werewolf with a sword. And the werewolf gets taken out at one point by. Dracula's cane? No, so the cane that's in it is actually from the Stephen King adaptation, oh, Storm, of the Century. Storm of the Century. Yeah, because they take the silver head off of it and uh. like, shove it in her mouth. Um, yeah, but there There's is... There's weirdly a hall of mirrors there as well for no fucking reason. Yeah, like, I don't know what it is. Early 2000s horror movies. Why is there a hall of mirrors? Is this do... random fucking why? Fucking love horror. Like, horror movies love a I hall of mirrors. I hate halls of mirrors. They're fucking creepy. Yeah. Because there's a... I'm pretty sure there's a, a Halloween movie or they did, like, a Halloween thing. Maybe it was on TikTok where there's, like, a Michael... Someone's walking through a hall of mirrors and there's, like, a bunch of Michael Myerses and then someone's actually Michael Myers. Someone, like... Maybe it's like a Halloween Horror Night thing. Somebody let me know. I can't remember. I saw it. It might be a fever like dream. It, be a it might be a fever dream. Although I will say, in John Wick Two, there is an incredible scene in the Hall of Mirrors where he fights Ruby Rose, uh, which is really fucking cool. Um, yeah, this... there's a great House of Mirrors scene in an episode of Leverage. This movie, man. How did this movie go so wrong? I don't know. I don't know. I've got nothing for you. I just... And I feel like, in a lot of ways, this was like the beginning of the end for Wes Craven's career. I think this is the point where Wes Craven had just like started to wind his career down mm-hmm. and just... It's a shame that, like, you know, he ends his career. Scream 4 is a good movie, but he, he has this and he has My Soul to Take, like, either side of it. Because um, My Soul to Take is not a great movie. Um, that was obviously the last movie that he ever made. 
But yeah, I just I kind of look at this movie and I'm just like, I don't understand. Like all the pieces are there. How do you like? And I think it was Skeet Ulrich turned around and said, or Jesse Eisenberg. Somebody said it. The first reshoots for this movie cost like ten million dollars. The second set of reshoots cost twenty. Overall, the amount that they spent on reshooting this movie cost more than the first two screen movies combined. Mm. Like, I'm starting to think that the Weinstein company, Miramax, was set up as a fucking money laundering front, the way that they were just pissing money down the drain. <sighs> fucking assholes. Um, but yeah, do you think there's any redeeming parts of this movie? Milo. Really, you gotta get off that. You gotta get off that dude's dick, man. Seriously. I literally cannot. You literally can. I literally cannot. Um, no, I really, I like. In all honesty, as much as I will joke about, like how much I adore him, I do honestly like him in this film because I do like the arc his character takes. I like he kind of ends it as like Jimmy's mate. Mm. It was really cool. Um, I don't know if there's actually any redeeming qualities. The scenes that they've kept in with the actual practical effect werewolf is re- are really cool. Mm-hmm. But they fuck that up by making it CGI. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and con- like, and confusingly, like, different heights and different sizes. Yeah. I don't think there is a consistent werewolf height or weight in this movie. I'm pretty sure his hair colour changes as well. Yeah, and I don't know if they did that to make you think that it's multiple people or... If it's just sheer laziness. I think it's just sheer laziness, if I'm honest. Yeah. But, yeah, there's not a huge amount to like about this movie, I don't no. think. Um, which is a real shame, because, as I said, the the notion of those two guys making a movie... And it's the only chance Wes Craven got to make a werewolf movie. I mean, he did one werewolf movie, he did one vampire movie. We'll talk about the vampire movie next week. Um, but, yeah, it's it's a real shame that, like... We've never been able to see the the Craven cut, and every year everyone's like, "Release the Craven cut!" Release the Kraken. Yeah, um, and it's just it's just a bit of a black mark on his career, really, isn't it? Um, what are your final thoughts on this movie? Um, so we can wrap this episode up. I think I'd have much preferred to have seen the film that this movie was originally supposed to be. Um, the fact that we've never got to see the original chaos that this film would have been is really sad. Yeah. Um, it's just all in all not a great film. I kind of have just I wanted to watch this purely so that you had to watch it again because I know you hate this film. Um, rating wise, I'm gonna give it point five of a star, <laughs> and that point five is for Milo and for the practical effects. And it was originally one, but then they CGI'd it, so it lost half a star. <laughs> So, uh, 0.5 of a star, because this movie is fucking dreadful. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah, I don't think... Like, if you want more in-depth thoughts... Like, this podcast could have easily been three hours long. Um, if you want more in-depth thoughts on it, go and check out the Horror Quiz podcast. Um, those guys are amazing. Um, they're part of the Bloody Disgusting Network. And they did a really extensive, like, two-part... It's a good few hours deep dive on the production history of this movie, the making of it. And they go into like every facet of like all of the different versions, the finished product and everything. So if you really want an interesting deep dive, go and check those guys out. Um, But yeah, I think just as a movie, um, it's kind of pretty standard fare of what we were getting in 2005. It's kind of indicative of where horror was at that point with a lot of like, just teen horror and J horror remakes. Mm. Um, and it's just really sad to see someone as talented as Wes Craven and someone as talented as Kevin Williamson made to look like amateurs by a pair of fucking greedy assholes that didn't know what they were fucking doing. Mm-hmm. I mean, you wouldn't fucking hire Picasso to paint a fucking painting and then tell him how to paint it, would you? You know what I mean? Like, at some point, you just fuck off and let the master do what he needs to do. But... Yeah, I agree with you. I think I would give this a one star. I don't think it's aged very well. I don't think it's a particularly good film. And I hate you forever for making me rewatch it. But we will be back next week with our thoughts on Vampire in Brooklyn.
which I'm super excited about. Sure. Um, also, what's more detrimental to werewolves, this movie or Twilight? This movie, because they're not were- they're not werewolves in Twilight. Are they humans that turn to wolves? Yeah, but they're not werewolves. Okay. They're shapeshifters. They can only ship, 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 ship. Yes, because they, that's what their fucking shape-shifting spirit is. It's a fucking... There's a whole backstory. You haven't read the book, so you don't get the full backstory of the tribe. But there's fucking... It's a, it's a wolf spirit, okay? That's what they turn into wolves. Yeah, I get it, but, like... They but mar- they're not werewolves. They marketed that fucking know, thing as vampires but they're versus not werewolves. Okay, before we end this episode, one quick question. Remus Lupin... In his wolf form. Oh, God. Yeah. Jacob, what's his face? Black. In his werewolf, in his yeah. wolf form. Judy Greer in her wolf form. Mm-hmm. They walk into a fight. Who wins? I want to say Remus because werewolves in the wizarding world don't retain their human emotion and mentality unless they're on wolf spain so he would be using wolf instinct oh my god you just reminded me of that scene in twilight where the fucking wolf tries to emote with bella he's Um, got the fucking sad eyes eyes. (laughs) judy greer's werewolf in this and jacob's in twilight they still retain like their human memories and emotions Whereas Harry Potter werewolves don't. Mm-hmm. So they are more like wolves. Mm-hmm. Kind of like the Kessler wolf in American Werewolf. Mm. Yeah. I just I just was like, who would win, man? Like, yeah. I mean, if we're really, if we were really looking at like a werewolf who would win out of like the Harry Potter franchise against the other two, it would be Fenrir Greyback, but... Sure. Fenrir Greyback even, sorry. Who is the werewolf who turned Remus into a werewolf? There you go. Right. He's also the werewolf who joined Voldemort. Right before I had a danger wag. <laughs> so, yeah, that's our thoughts on Cursed. Have you guys seen Cursed? Have you not seen Cursed? Obviously, let us know. Find us on social media. S-I-M-A-H-F pod on Twitter. So am I a horror fan. All lowercase, all one word on Tumblr and Instagram. Uh, let us know your thoughts on this much maligned... Uh, film um as i say we will be back next week with our thoughts on vampire in brooklyn if you go over to our social media now we have our lineups for october uh, september and october we've also got episodes uh, from recent films on nope prey we've got our other wes craven movies from august um and we have just released an episode this friday just gone on the banana splits movie so go check that out as well as always, thank you so much for everyone that likes, shares, subscribes, all that good shit. Um, it means a lot to us. We appreciate you guys. And as always, stay spooky, stay safe. Bye-bye. Bye.